Welcome to the NCO Journal Podcast, where we explore NCO professional development. This is a podcast series where we discuss published articles with authors and provide a forum for the open exchange of ideas, information, and solutions. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Brandon Cox, the Journal's Senior Editor. With us is Chago Zapata, the Managing Editor, and Sergeant First Class is Valdo Akite, the NCOIC of the NCO Journal. Today we discuss the article, Cultural Awareness as a Weapon, by author Sergeant Major Ed Fayette. Before we kick things off, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, hey guys, thanks and uh, thank you for having me. Um, Sergeant Major Ed Fayette, uh, I'm the Chief Advisor for Reserve Affairs um, at the Psychological Operations Proponent here at the JFK Special Warfare Center and School. 24 years of service uh, this year, uh, and all of that as a Psychological Operations Specialist. Here at the Proponent, uh, I support the Proponent Director uh, and Division Leads in navigating um, reserve component PSYOP peculiarities, um, as well as support the RC operational force uh, as an embedded touch point for them, um, ensuring reserve components uh, concerns and interests are addressed uh, and incorporated in proponent efforts here. Um, if uh, you know, I don't know how familiar our audience is with uh, with the proponent functions, um, but a proponency, um, in short, is kind of a, a, a manager for a, a CMF or a branch. Um, for the dot mil PF, um, you know, kind of army modernization domain specifically here, uh, we develop doctrine, training, uh, uh, leader policy, personnel, um, those kinds of things for uh, specifically for the psychological operations component. So you guys are constantly busy. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> no, there's there's never enough people to uh, to do everything that that needs to be done. You know, the thirty. 30 soldiers and civilians we have in the psychological operations uh, proponent here responsible for, um, you know, over 28 doctrinal uh, publications. Uh, we manage all of the combined arms training strategy, collective tasks, individual training tasks, um, 13 separate course POIs, uh, and all the eight life cycle functions. Um, and, yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot for a, a lot for a small team. Let's dive right into your article Article here. Could you tell us what, what, what was this article and what inspired you to write it? Well, in, um, in 2021, uh, I was attending the Sergeant Major Academy, um, Class 72, Trust and Inspire. Uh, so we, we have a, um, you know, kind of a professional writing paper uh, that kind of becomes one of your, your capstone um, papers out of the, the hundred or so that you'll write there. And, um, you know, they encourage you to write um, – you know, like uh, like most writers, I think write write about you know either what you know or something you're passionate about, and um, certainly cultural awareness and specifically foreign culture awareness um, is something that um, as a as a psychological operations specialist is is drilled into us from um, from the very beginning. So it, it wasn't only something that um, you know I knew a bit about, um, but it was something I was you know uh, passionate then and, and learning more about and. You know, at its core, it's a research paper, um, and uh, you know, so I, I took it as an opportunity to to not only learn more about the importance of cultural awareness. And I think most of us kind of grasp the the, the core of that, um, but how we can go further, how you know, how we can improve uh, as an army at it, um, as well as at the, the individual soldier level. So, you know, so this article highlighted, um, you know, highlighted some things like the. Uh, the language and, and regional education centers um, that, that TRADOC has out uh, across the country, um, as well as, um, you know, even on my, my own study then, 
you know, JKO, Jane Knowledge Online, uh, has a preponderance, a, a large number of uh, courses in uh, cultural training, rapport, uh, et cetera. So um, I took that on as a subject and, um, you know, cultural awareness uh, in general. And uh, the research kind of pointed me towards uh, regional alignment of forces uh, and then and further on to, um, you know, like I said, driving down from that big strategic concept of RAF uh, down to, you know, how do we how do we culturally educate the soldiers who are going to be on ground um, interacting with, with foreign audiences? Yeah, Sergeant Major, and you did say that you were, you know, passionate about the subject and that's why you wanted to write about it. Do you have a personal anecdote um, of why cultural awareness is so important to you? I mean, I, I can probably, you know, maybe, maybe it's a great example to, uh, to to one of my my biggest miscues. Um, I, I guess I can offer up here, but as a a very young soldier uh, in Thailand supporting a, a Cobra Gold uh, exercise, and it, you know, at one point I was uh, I was trying to write uh, a bit of information, a, a number I think I was passing along to someone, uh, and I had no paper in my pocket. Um, and of course, the one thing I did have was a um, was some Thai currency, um, which of course features the the royal family on it. Um, and as I began to write this number on this piece of of currency, you know, it's normally um, you know U.S. culture, not not such a big deal, right? Um, but immediately, everyone in the room, you know, jumped out of their their seats to stop me from from debasing uh, the royal family. Um, so, you know, I offer that as you know, even as a a culturally uh, aware soldier, like there was there was additional knowledge, um, you know, that I that I should have had that I could have had um, with a little more training uh, that you know could have prevented um, what ultimately was just an, an embarrassing situation. But you know, this kind of things at scale um, can certainly cause you know cause unnecessary misunderstandings with our, our foreign partners. You know, that brings up a uh, an experience that I that I had. When I was uh, in Iraq on my second deployment, my my unit was tasked to go to a um, well. We we went to an orphanage to fix it up. A bunch of kids were there. And we had our translator was a was a woman. You know, we went in there. We were she was great. She was you know she she got us talking to the kids. There were there were some adults there and everything. And we fixed up the place. We we fixed plumbing. We did all kinds of things for these the the, the, the orphanage. But at the end, when we were getting ready, when we packed up, we were getting ready to leave. I was one of the last people to, to leave, and I, and I, without thinking about it, I, I kind of and I thrust my hand out for a handshake to say thank you. And I didn't even think about it. I just kind of threw my hand out there, and she kind of hesitantly reached out and, and shook it. And everybody in the room, just, there was just a sudden gasp, like, <gasps> you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, I, I got really <laughs> – I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. I, I didn't realize that what I done, what I'd done, you know, I that just touched this young woman. I think she was unmarried. She was wearing the traditional garb, and I really, I didn't really know too much. They didn't tell us too much about women and and, and what you should or shouldn't do. They did give it. We we did get a a, a little a, a short PowerPoint presentation before we deployed. You know, so I ran out of there. You know, I just I took my hand back and I and and I hauled butt to the to the Humvee and and we took off. But I've always wondered if maybe that little interaction where I, where I, you know, she touched an infidel, you know, maybe did did something bad happen to her? I don't know. You know, I think it's it's important to be aware and be conscious of, of what you do and that everything that you do has consequences. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, you know, 
our our intention uh, with our actions doesn't doesn't always you know come across. So while we you know while we would treat a, a foreigner you know visiting us, we would we'd grant a leeway um, you know understanding they may not understand our our cultures and those kinds of things. But there are you know in that cultural onion there are some pretty um, pretty primary things like cultural taboos uh, etc. Et that just you know sometimes we don't. We don't have room for excusing, um, but but those are the items. You know, when we talk about um, cultural liter- literacy and you know, kind of the levels of cultural awareness training, um, you know, those those primary functions of cultural awareness, you know, need to be what what are those those taboo items? What are those things that can lead to the um, you know the the greatest number of or severity of of misunderstandings? Um, those kind of things, and even you know even even knowing those items, um, knowing knowing how to successfully, uh, or you know how how would have been appropriate uh, to greet someone in their culture, in their language, you know the littlest amount of of cultural knowledge up to that point, um, you know goes goes far to show, you know the audience on the other side, um, you know that that you did put effort into adapting to their, their culture and learning their culture and. And as a result, you know, those kind of social miscues uh, are more likely to be to be forgiven. Now, now these um, these things happened, even though you said, Chago, that you received some kind of training. Yeah, we had a short PowerPoint presentation before we deployed. Uh, I, I can't even tell you how long it was. I mean, they told us, hey, don't don't show the bottom of your foot to these people. Uh, and, now, I, I don't know. You know. I don't know if we can announce on this podcast that a PowerPoint presentation didn't fix something in the Army. So. <laughs> That's right. Well, it was a Marine Corps. So <laughs> it was a Marine Corps PowerPoint. It was, yeah, it was a Marine Corps PowerPoint. And that, uh, yeah, it was very basic. But then again, it was 2004. You know, this, we were just yeah. getting started in Iraq. There was a lot of things that we didn't know that we were, we were just gearing up for. And that was definitely something that we were lacking in. Well, I was going to say even, even more so now, right? Like we – we have subject matter experts within our organization or, you know, advisors at least who are, who, who have a role now in ensuring that um, those talking points and those things are, you know, understood across our force. I know that's a, you know, it's a responsibility uh, for your psychological operations forces and to ensure supported commanders and soldiers are um, aware of those types of considerations when they're going into um, engagements and, and conversations. Um, those kind of things. I, I imagine PAO, um, you know, takes a takes a role in in that as well. Yeah, and then, but even though these things were in place, or like you said, now we have you know special, you know, I guess you could say MOSs or people that are trained in this to come and advise. It, these kind of things still happen again, and I guess my point is that your article is making the case that we need to push this down even further, right? It needs to go a step further than what it is now. And so I guess my question would be, um, what is what is not happening right now? Um, or how is that so that, that training not making it, um, or, or is not enough? So I, I think there's multiple things going on. So I talk a lot about, uh, in the article, about regional alignment of forces, you know, kind of the overarching, the strategic concept where we assign specific units a, a geographic region around the world. And what that does is it, you know, it, it helps us tailor um, the capabilities and, and readiness of that unit to it, to address that unique region. So one of the most important things it does is that it, it gives those units time to incorporate um, that regional term 
end up being in a, a PowerPoint presentation, which, you know, in, in your own note, like is not enough to provide the, the training level necessary to engage with foreign culture, something that's, you know, so important, um, that human dimension is so important to our, our success overseas, um, especially in, in considering uh, stability operations uh, and, and such. So, so one, I think strategically continuing to push the regional alignment concept um, down to our organizations uh, is, is the way to go. Um, you know, Army Special Operations Command is, uh, is a primary example of that. You know, DOD um, uh, almost always geographically aligns their, their soft elements. And what that really does is it gives them the time required to develop that regional expertise. Um, and, and ultimately, I think that's the answer, right? I, I think our soldiers need more time to get those things into training plans. Um, so the individual soldier has, has the time and resources to access it. Um, AR 350 1 uh, goes a lot into, you know, that's kind of our Army reference for, uh, for CREL, for cultural, regional expertise, and, and language training, um, and which stems from a DOD directive. But, but basically, 350-1 lays out um, that our forces uh, have to be capable of operating around foreign populations. Um, and with that, they kind of extend foreign language proficiency even further past, you know, our traditional linguists, interrogators, um, down to the individual soldier level. And that said, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't necessarily translate into those things being on a, a unit, a unit training calendar, right? So I think my... You know, my drive, my call to action, you know, for you know, the individual soldier listening to this podcast or reading this paper is um, a lot of these things are going to come down to self-development, um, you know, your ability to, to become culturally competent, um, you know, at a base level and um, to develop regional expertise um, going forward. Uh, a lot of that's going to come onto your plate. Um, and there's resources out there, you know, the Tradox Language and Cultural Training Centers um, are an amazing resource uh, designed and built to support units uh, getting ready to deploy to a theater. But they provide a lot of individual uh, soldier training resources as well. You know, brochures on, on cultural uh, training, do's and don'ts, uh, those kinds of things. You know, starting big strategic graphs uh, all the way down to individual soldier training. And, and like I said, I think a lot of that's self-development. One of the examples I use um, in the article is um, Captain Travis Patrickwin, um, who, you know, whether, although he had a background uh, as a civil affairs special operations soldier, um, you know, his, his language training came from uh, self-study. His cultural expertise uh, really came from, from self-study. And I, I go into the article in detail on how those things, you know, those initiatives, uh, including him growing a a pretty awesome Iraqi style mustache, um, you know, directly led to success for the his BCT in Iraq. If I if I could, uh, no, sorry, uh, Ikita wanted to say something, but I think that a lot of it depends on on individuals' uh, drive and their their likes and dislikes, and, and uh, the army actually taking advantage of these individuals who are interested in that kind of language training or interested in culture learning about different cultures and then taking advantage of them and, and sending them to training and, but using that, that drive to, uh, in the army's favor, I think it's, it's kind of, it's an important thing I would say. Yeah. I mean, from a, from a, a talent management aspect, right. If we can combine those two soldier interests and, and special skills with 
the operational environment or an assignment, you know, that's, that's a, a win-win situation. And I, I think what, while I think there's, you know, there's value in a basic level of, of cultural competence and what we call cultural capability. And that's just that, you know, general awareness of cultural concepts um, that allows you to interact with, you know, people of other cultures. You know, once you have that core understanding of, of awareness, um, that I need to be aware of those taboos. I need to be aware of maybe this culture, uh, the way I engage with, with female uh, members of the, the society, right? Like having that awareness um, transcends the, the specific region that you may have spent your time studying. Is, is that what you meant with your, your, the title of the article with uh, cultural awareness as a weapon? Or maybe you can expand a little bit about what your ideas or thoughts were on that. I guess aside from it being a flashy title uh, that I'd hoped would, would win over my instructors at the, <laughs> at the academy, um, you know, we in psychological operations, uh, we talk a lot about our loudspeaker system as, as being a weapon. And, and so really I'm, I'm, I'm talking about cultural awareness as a weapon in, in those terms. Um, I, it's, a, it's a tool that I think is often overlooked with, you know, the severity that it can impact emission, both, both positive and, and negative. And I think that's why, you know, DOD and, and Army understand that, why they've, they've built, you know, cultural awareness and training requirements into, you know, in, into our guidance. You talked about uh, Abu Ghraib. And that was, uh, I think that was pretty powerful, you know, that, that, that used, used that as an example of, uh, you know, of, uh, of, of soldiers who did not, actually were not very uh, culturally uh, trained or, or aware they were um, not a lot of things. There were, yeah, there were not a lot of things. Uh, which, which kind of, you know, I, I'm glad that you brought that 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 up in your article, and it, it made me think about the, you know, if, if you live the army values, if they're not just words that you just kind of you recite, but actually live them, I think uh, that it's important that that you know soldiers behave, uh, even if they're not, you know, um, culturally aware or trained or whatever. Uh, if they live the army values, I think that's going to go a long ways. But if you combine the two, then that's just another. That's going to be a weapon system that's truly going to be effective. Where where people from a, a different culture will, if they see you as an honorable person, as somebody of, you know, with integrity and and courage and and who respects them, even though may, maybe they don't, you don't know what their you know what their culture is or what you know that you're doing the right thing. If you if they see you a good person, then I think that's going to be. Um, that's going to go a long ways. So, again, you know, uh, could you take, talk a little about Abu Ghraib and why you use that as an example and and how that um, has a bearing on NCOs out there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, twenty years ago, right? So this is this is two thousand three. We're talking about, um, you know, at, at the point where things sort of you know fall out of. Um, our organizational awareness as well. Um, but you raise it. You raise a, a great point, right? Is that um, what we saw there was not a was not at its core a lack of cultural awareness training. Like it was, it was a lack of, of values. Um, period. Um, you know, for those that, that don't know the story of, of Abu Ghraib, um, two thousand three uh, story broke that, that U.S. soldiers um, in a detention facility committed um, you know, just gross violations of, of law of land warfare with. With detainees at, at Abu Ghraib, um, resulted in the commanding officers relieved um, and uh, eleven soldiers convicted of crimes for those actions. And 
I, I use it in the article, um, you know, when it, it was a growth violation, right, and, and not a, you know, by no means were they just violating, you know, cultural taboos. They, they were violating human taboos, right, human human violations, violations of, of human rights standards. Um, but I, I use it in the article because one of the recommendations that the investigating officer included was, was additional training for those managing foreign detainees, and that includes it includes cultural awareness. It includes cultural uh, appreciation, right? Because even at their core level, those things also help uh, help kind of stop that that xenophobia, that fear of of foreign cultures. Um, what we saw at Abu Ghraib, right, is, is people who did not respect um, did not respect another culture, likely did not see them as human beings on some level, and that's what you know. That's what you know allowed you know, overtook their, their any sense of army values, those kinds of things that they had existed and, and led to them committing those, those violations. Um, you know, the culture of that organization allowed that to happen. So um, I, it, it's further argument that, you know, it, even at a core level, cultural awareness and appreciation uh, helps help build that sensitivity, um, uh, that sensitivity, that, that openness to other cultures, that respecting differences uh, in other people as, as positive. Um, and ultimately, you know, what we saw, the, the impact of Abu Ghraib um, helped prevent, you know, those things, maintain um, our image of international cooperation, um, that the U.S. Army upholds human rights standards. Like those are, those are things that are not, um, not up for debate. Um, those are things that we, we have to maintain and, and actions like, you know, our soldiers at Abu Ghraib um, directly, you know, directly complicate um, and inhibit our ability, uh, our, our operational success, right? I mean, we saw the impact of that. Um, we saw decreased support for the war at home. Uh, we lost coalition partners. Um, and, I, and I think what, you know, one of the things I note there, like perhaps worse is, you know, those of us who were, were fighting in Iraq um, during that decade, uh, the, you know, it instantly led to increased uh, recruiting for for Al Qaeda. Insurgents, um, jihadists fighting in Iraq, um, fighting got intense following that for for those of us there. Um, and the um, you know the article includes a, a great quote from uh, General McChrystal. Um, he said, in his experience, uh, nearly every first time jihadists claimed Abu Ghraib uh, is what had first jolted uh, him to action. Um, so, you know, the, the actions of, of a few, um, extremely, you know, ex- extremely terrible in this case, um, you know, had years and years of, of negative implications to, um, our stability operations in Iraq. How do you think that that one incident by those like 11 soldiers really impacted the future of the war? Well, I, you know, legitimacy is, is a theme that we kind of focus on anytime, uh, we're operating, um, Outside the U.S., right? I mean, it's especially with a foreign audience, um, you know, we're we're there, uh, you know, we're there for the sake of international cooperation. We're we're there, um, you know, with the support of the government. And without legitimacy, um, all of the good work that we're doing um, in in that place can can easily be overlooked. So, um, yeah. there were a lot of us working in that country for a long time, doing uh, great things. Uh, and and all of that up to that point was kind of wiped out with one event. So 
we, um, you know, I, I can't speak for how long uh, we, we would have been in Iraq um, otherwise, but, um, you know, I think it absolutely goes, goes to saying that um, there was direct impact to, to those fighting uh, in Iraq uh, for the, the short years that followed. I'd like to start focusing this now to our audience and what actions they can take. And so um, my question to you, Sergeant Major, would be, you know, you, you, you mentioned a call to action earlier for individuals to um, focus on on regional cultural awareness and things like that that they can do on their own time. But what what can junior NCOs out there, direct leading soldiers, what can they do? And then what would your advice be for senior leaders, senior NCOs? As I said, I, I think our, our units aren't always, this isn't something that our units are always going to have on the, on the training calendar. So, um, you know, at, at, a, at a core level, I think it's, it's, it's learning about the other cultures around you. If you don't have a basic, uh, a basic level of, of foreign cultural awareness and, and no one's directed you, you know, look for something. As I said, JKO uh, is a, a huge repository of, you know, training that's not going to consume your time, uh, rapport training, cultural awareness training, you know, things that will benefit you just for, you know, an overseas vacation, if, if nothing else. Um, but ultimately, yeah, we'll, we'll um, you know, support you oper- operationally. Um, but by all means, if you know your organization has a regional focus, if you know your organization has been identified for a potential upcoming deployment, for yourself and your team, your subordinates, it immediately start diving into, you know, clear space on the training calendar for, um, for that report training, for that cultural awareness training. You know, those are things that are immediately available to uh, every soldier. Uh, it's in JKO. They have a language and cultural category, um, and there's subsets underneath that for specific GCCs uh, and their, their areas of responsibility. So if you know where you might go, um, by all means, start focusing on that. Um, and, you know, as with all training, the, the, the more lead time we have, um, the more you can build from that cultural you know, capability up to uh, a cultural and, and regional expertise. It would be a great opportunity for some hip pocket training, you know, to, to, to do some sergeants training, just kind of uh, unscheduled and just just pop it in there for, for, for soldiers uh, as a, not just organized, but something that NCOs, that's what you guys do, man. But what NCOs do is uh, is is, um, is train, and uh, that would be a great opportunity to do something that's not necessarily formal. Uh, if you have a small, if you're a, young, a small unit leader, a sergeant, and you have you know, however many soldiers you have, yeah, great idea. <laughs> now, now that you mentioned it, I was like thinking, well, there's some events that are happening on our calendars already, right? We we have National Hispanic Heritage Month, um, and so maybe. You know, um, add to that, you know, that that training for that month or whatever the observance by having discussions or having people bring in different dishes and talking about yeah. different cultures. Um, different or even cultures. if you have a team, I remember I had a team um, that was very diverse, and even them, everybody just sharing something about their culture or their upbringing and things like that, and having those discussions was can can have impact too. Yeah, absolutely. The more the more exposure we have to to other cultures, is, is the more that that uh, the more that that general appreciation and you know acknowledgement of the considerations that you know that, that go into those things um, to kind of help 
peel back our own layers of our cultural onion, right? And, and open ourselves to um, other ways of thinking and, and understanding. And then it becomes an actual weapon, like you said in your in your in the title of your article. It just becomes another 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 weapon in your arsenal. You know, something else that you're using to to prepare and to to fight the enemy. Yeah, but so much easier to to influence someone towards a towards a behavior um, than to to try and coerce or, or force someone towards that that behavior. Um, and so that's you know where I talk about human advantage. Um, this this is the weapon that, that we gain advantage in the human dimension for. Sergeant Major, before we uh, conclude this podcast today, is there anything you'd like to add? You know, I I think I would be remiss, um, and I, I'd probably get in trouble with my command if I, if I don't at least uh, mention uh, how to go RSOF. You know, I, I do use uh, Army Special Operations as a as a primary example of of where in the article where we're doing real good around the world on a regular basis and where, um, you know, cultural and regional expertise, uh, it's, it's critical to, to mission success. And so for, you know, anyone out there listening, um, if you've, if you've thought at all, uh, you know, and if the idea of a job where, uh, cultural regional expertise, uh, interests you, uh, and, and it's critical to it. I, I think, uh, RSOF is something you should, should definitely look into. Um, and for, for most of us, that starts with um, seeking out your local special operations recruiting battalion, uh, your, your local SORB or goarmysoft.army.mil. Uh, and for our um, Compo 2 and 3 Army Reserve or, or National Guard Bureau soldiers, uh, just reach out to your local retention NCO uh, and they'll t- put you in touch with uh, a nearby unit as well. Thank you, Sergeant Major, for joining us, and a thank you to our audience. Remember to put your knowledge to the page. Submit articles and get published with the NCO Journal. Don't forget to check out our webpage and follow us on social media. We'll catch you next time on the NCO Journal Podcast.